eSuite's 10-week e-commerce accelerator is now open for enrollment. Our very first accelerator earlier this year was a huge success with 54 graduates who are now putting their skills to use to further their e-commerce careers. Over 10 weeks, I personally will take you through the fundamentals of e-commerce from strategy to marketing, tech, finance, supply chain, and more. We've made this course 100% remote and flexible to fit around your busy life with recorded live classes, an active community, over 20 cheat sheets, and more than 600 pages of e-commerce content. But the best part is you get to meet and connect with some of the best and brightest up-and-comers in e-commerce in Australia. Enrollments are now open and class kicks off on Tuesday, August 23. So, whether you want to enroll as an individual or, sneaky hint, persuade your boss to enroll the whole team, head on over to esuitetalent.com.au forward slash accelerator to enroll online today. I hope to see you in there. We cover everything along that whole journey. There's about 150 uh, metrics that we capture from start to finish. If there's brands out there that are doing 24-7 support and are responding with real people and giving strong answers, then that's that's the benchmark you're being measured against. There's a thousand things that you could be working on in a business. What, what actually sticks out to customers? What's causing them the most pain? Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. Now, if you've ever worked in retail... You will definitely know that feeling of dread that comes over you when your boss says the mystery shopper is due to visit that week. I think I still have flashbacks right now from my time at Big W. Well, things have come on a little since those days, and my guest today has developed a mystery shop service specifically for e-commerce. Andy Evans is the co-founder of Humi, that's H U M double I, Humi, who combine cutting-edge technology with real human analysis to evaluate a retailer's customer experience and provide valuable insights. With around 200 retailers on board already, including Rebel Sport, LaVisa, and The Iconic, Humi take the mystery out of nailing an amazing customer experience using over 150 metrics. In this chat, Andy shares the challenges of wrangling their team of mystery shoppers, how they advise their clients on where to take action first, and why Andy thinks MPS is dead. Very controversial. Why MPS is dead. Long live the Humi score. So thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Paclio, here's our conversation with Andy Evans, founder of Humi. Andy, welcome to Add to Cart. Cheers, Nathan. Thanks for having me, mate. Pleasure. We saw each other at online retail, which explains why my voice is like this right now. How did you go at online retailer? Yeah, uh, you know, awesome for us. I think um, obviously a big couple of days. It's it's um, you know getting together and seeing everyone in person for us. Meeting a lot of people for the first time was great, but it obviously means a lot of talking. I um I think I was commenting to someone just the other day. 
I've said the word mystery shop more times than anyone should ever say in their entire life. So, yeah, similar to you, voice was a bit croaky for a while, but but feeling good. It was it was a great event. Got a ton out of it. A lot of good connections. So it was a really good energy, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I think everyone just getting around each other after a long time. I can't remember the last time I'd been to a sort of in person event like that. It's it's like we've just sort of crawled out of a cave a little bit. <laughs> yeah. People, you know, we're almost going back to that COVID wave again and people getting a bit cautious so who knows what happens over the next couple of months we might have struck a little you know run yeah. a little gauntlet between covid waves there to get that event on so no it was great fun and good to see you there so we've we've given a nice little touch there on mystery shop but can you explain to us you are here as the co-founder of Humi. what the hell is Humi? <laughs> essentially what Humi is is a new way for retail businesses retail leaders particularly in e-commerce to to measure the health of their customer experience. So, you know, mystery shopping, look, the whole idea of this business and, and the concept um, spawned from, you know, that whole traditional mystery shopping where, you know, people would know about that. Someone goes into a store, they poke their head in, they walk around, they check the lighting, they look at the stock, you know, was there a funny smell or the staff nice to them? They'll answer a few questions and then they'll, they'll submit that off to a head office of the retail business or whatever. And if, um, They've done a good job. They'll get a congratulations. If they haven't done a good job, one of the bosses will walk down and and get grumpy at someone because they haven't done their job properly. So in the last couple of years, e-commerce, as everyone knows, has just gone crazy. I don't want to make references to the pandemic. Everyone knows what's gone on that's driven that. But a lot of businesses that were traditional bricks and mortar may not have had to care so much about their e-commerce channel. It was could have been a little poor cousin that sat off to the side. It was 10% of your business. You didn't have to worry about it too much. You know, flash forward a couple of years, it's now 25% of your business. If you're sitting on a board or you're an exec in a, in a business, you have to care about your e-commerce channel. So a lot of what happens in e-commerce is really complex. You know, we're talking about websites and user experience. And for people who aren't from that background, that stuff can be quite daunting, really hard to understand. I'm from a tech background, it's fine for me, but I appreciate that people who, who don't come from that background can struggle, you know, you're sitting in, in these board meetings, you're getting these complex reports, bounce rates, time on site, all that kind of stuff can be daunting and hard to explain. So what we really wanted to do with this business was simplify things right down and, and, and essentially take that, that the simple model of an in-store mystery shop and apply it to e-commerce businesses. So hence, that's where humans come from. Um, and we are quite literally doing exactly that. You know, we have teams of people out there, who are purchasing things online, getting them shipped out to their house, and then we're reviewing and scoring that entire process end-to-end. And the net result of that is we're able to provide retail businesses with reports that can give them very clear and direct actionable data on what it is they're doing well, what they're not doing so well, what customers are actually saying about the experience, and from a completely unbiased perspective as well. So there's no value-add for us in whether you're doing well in certain areas or well, not so well. We just give it to you very straight and clear. And it's stuff that's, that a retail business leader could, could look at very simply and go, okay, I need to go and have a chat to Jimmy in the warehouse and ask him why it's taking us five days to dispatch our products, whereas our competitors are taking two days. So it's designed to be very simple. It, it is a simple model and that's Humi in a nutshell. So you've mentioned that it's taking an old model, which is the old mystery shop model, and you're doing it very simply. Why doesn't it exist today before you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a little bit to the point of how much of your business is being done through online. So perhaps there's an element of, of a point in time 
it's much more important. It's much more of a focus now e-commerce is than it has been previously. So there's the point in time angle, perhaps partially pandemic driven. Also, uh, you know, there's some logistical challenges around wrangling. How are you going to go about doing this? How are you going to mystery shop online? You know, how's that process going to work? It's not as simple as just walking into a, to a store and filling in a form and, and walking away. So, you know, for the past 12 months, we've been proofing out this model and this process of how we're going to, you know, how do you build a, you know, we, we, we're designed and set up to, to operate at scale. So, We've got people who are mystery shopping for us up and down the East Coast at the moment and we're growing that team out. But, you know, how do you wrangle them and how do you navigate a process where they can shop online, pay for things, get it shipped out, answer questions, keep track of what they're spending and, you know, making sure someone doesn't run off with a card and buy something they shouldn't. There's a whole lot of logistical challenges that we've had to to navigate. You laugh at that, but, you know, we've had we've had a few fun experiences along the way. Come on, share one, share one. Yeah, that team, we've trialled a lot of different people, different demographics. We're trying to make it as reflective of the Australian market as we possibly can. And it's like anything, you, you try a few things here, you go down a few different avenues, it doesn't work. So, you know, I think like any business, you get a few bad eggs along the way. People try to get away with things that they um, they probably shouldn't. But, you know, we've got it pretty well refined now, that team of analysts. We've got almost 50 in that team now and looking to continue growing that. And, you know, the more, the more people we have shopping for us on, online, the, the greater sort of diversity we can give to customers. So. so talk us through the process from a retailer's perspective, from how they brief you through to what kind of data or detail they'd expect to get back and how regularly. Well, our standard service is designed to, to work like a subscription. So it's an accountability thing. You know, you can think about it like a, an always on external unbiased audit of your business. So a lot of customers that we're working with, we're shopping a lot of the market at the moment as well. And, and people wouldn't even know that we're shopping them because we work anonymously. I mean, that's to kind of build up our data set and evolve and, and to be able to give proper solid benchmarking to our customers. But mm-hmm. How it works is we can literally kick off shopping, you know, as soon as we've got an agreement to do so from a customer. You know, at the moment, we'll, we'll shop continuously. Our standard services will do three shops a week and then we'll provide a report at the end of each fortnight, which has essentially the last fortnight's worth of data in it. So it's kind of enough reports, enough information that you can look at and digest it easily without spending a week trying to understand what's in there. You can look at it and read it in sort of five or 10 minutes. That's what it's designed to do. You can identify where the hotspots are and then actually go and action it. You've got a couple of weeks to turn some things around before you get your next set of data coming through. So we've launched only in January and we've had customers working with us for, since March. And, um, you know, we're noticing a lot of stuff is coming through as trends. You know, it's very clear because we rotate our shoppers and we guarantee you won't get the same shopper within within a monthly period. So you're getting different perspectives. And it's, it's just interesting to see the, the trends that come through. You know, a lot of people saying the same thing about a business over and over again. A lot of people tripping over at the same, the same points in a process. So really interesting insights that we're getting along the way. If you're listening to this at your desk, take a moment to assess, am I really comfortable This was the problem that the team over at Desky were solving with the launch of their ergonomic standing desks and office equipment. But here's the twist. It was actually Desky that weren't comfortable. With launching their business on anything else but Shopify Plus, that is, with the huge work-from-home spike in 2020, Desky gave themselves six months to launch with Shopify Plus. And they did it in three 
they achieved an increase of revenue up to 1,000% and an increased conversion rate of 187%. No word on whether they did all of this standing up the whole time. Very impressive if that's the case. To read more of Desky's story and see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. Can you name drop any of the retailers that you're mystery shopping? At the moment, we're doing about 200. Like in total businesses that we're shopping, it's about 200. So, I mean, customers we're working with, we've got a few pretty big brands that we're working with as customers of ours at the moment. I'll name drop a couple. I hope they're okay with it. But um, look, Rebel Sport are one that we've been working with for a little while now. We've just started working recently with the guys at Oraton and La Vista. We're one of our first customers on the platform back in March. Obviously, they're doing you know super high volumes, Lavista, and, and doing a lot of great stuff. So, really helpful for us kicking off early. They've had a lot of great feedback on the product, and we've we've been able to really give them some great perspectives from customers. It's really hard to get elsewhere. Yeah, that's great. And you're not dealing with kind of mom and pop shops there. You're dealing with uh, sophisticated retailers. So even from a benchmarking perspective, that must be great. Some of that data that you're gathering to help you know, new retailers coming on board or to help people go, yeah, where are you sitting? Are you okay or, or you're off the mark? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and that's, I suppose, part of the model is, you know, our, our shoppers, we're not just kind of confining them to any one demographic. So you don't just shop fashion. I mean, we've our focus has been fashion initially. We've started doing a, a lot of others over the past couple of months and, and broadening out into other markets like outdoor and uh, a lot of footwear as well. But um, but they're shopping everything. You know, it's not just one, confined to one segment. So then they'll shop, you know, brand new entrants to the market. They'll shop some smaller businesses. They'll shop a lot of the bigger ones as well. They'll shop ones that have been around for a long time that might have a, you know, maybe they've got some aging tech or some clunkier processes. It's, you know, they're being sort of agitated by new entrants to the market or disrupted along the way by, by new players. So they see the full spectrum. So if you're coming on as a new, a new business, you know, it's interesting for us. If we've seen some new business come into the market, we start shopping them straight away. So we can, we can have a look at them and we can kind of turn up and say to them, Hey, here's what we've picked up about your, your process. But. Yeah, it's a really interesting way to get a kind of a broad perspective of of how you measure up against other businesses. And when you're talking about shopping, are you going from all the way back to discovery, say Google search or however customers are mainly getting through to the site, all the way through to checkout and potentially even refunding? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and one of the big things about our process and, you know, coming into the e-commerce space, there is a lot of focus on a lot of platforms that, that do a lot of focus on the on the pre-purchase experience. So, you know, things that are, that are on your site, you know, analytics on site, you know, a lot of great plugins and things you can do around a customer journey up until the checkout. But we found there was a huge lack of focus on what happens after the money goes over from PayPal into the bank account. So we do everything from right up front from the Google search. So it's literally the first thing we do. We'll look for a retailer, go on site, interact with the, the website, we'll, you know, we'll interact with support channels. We'll we'll play with the search bar, the navigation on site. Um, we'll then check out, look at the process of registering on site, loyalty programs, pay for the item. It'll then there'll be in the period of waiting for the product to get shipped out. You know, tracking notifications that, that happen along the way, dispatch notifications from retailers. Then the product arrives. We'll look at. The product itself, a bit of evaluation there. Was it damaged when it arrived? Was it wrapped in a thousand layers of sticky tape that you had to go and get a knife and cut through to get into the package? 
We then will go through, for the majority of processes, we'll go through the, um, the whole returns and refunds process as well, which is such an important and often overlooked part of the experience at the moment. You know, interact with that and see what that, what's that like. And then once the parcels ship back to the retailer, we'll then have a look at what the post-purchase support experience looks like at the end as well. So we cover everything along that whole journey. There's about 150 uh, metrics that we capture from start to finish. And when we provide that data back, we don't just kind of give it to businesses as a big sort of dump, you know, here's your data, go off and, and do what you will with it. It's broken down into nice little segments, which we call our eight dimensions of online retail. So it's it's very clear for a retailer to look and say, okay, look, my shipping component is really good. We're getting products out fast. Customers are, are being, you know, their expectations are managed through our messaging, but, but hang on a second, our returns and refunds process is terrible. You know, we can't, it's taking forever to get the money back to the customer or we're asking them to print off forms and fill in all these labels and whatever it could be. So it's a good way to say, okay, here's where we need to focus our attention. It's so important because I've seen my fair share of e-commerce audits focus on the website. And to me, that's just a digital audit. That's just a website audit. But what you really need to do is treat it as a retail transaction, which it sounds like you're doing. Now, at the end of that, I understand retailers get a HUMI score. How do you calculate the HUMI score? And do you benchmark that or compare that HUMI score to competitors for context? So the HUMI score, I just mentioned, then we we capture about 150 metrics along that journey. So essentially, the HUMI score will give a a business a measure of how healthy their e-commerce customer experience is. And and what we've done is we've taken all of those metrics and we've used a, a swag of industry data, some of our own internal research, to go through and weight those different things along the journey. So which parts of the journey have the biggest impact on customer experience? So for example, we know that high shipping costs has a huge impact for, you know, in on why people might jump out and bounce out of the shopping cart and go somewhere else. So that gets a really strong weighting compared to some other things on the website might not get such a high rating in that. So what we've done is we've weighted all of those metrics and then we essentially aggregate all the data. So you've got all these people out there that are shopping your site continuously. All that data is flowing into to us. We essentially use an algorithm that, w- that we built that, that feeds in all of the data plus the weighting to roll it up and give you a nice simple score out of 100. So you'll get a human score out of 100 that you can then use. We benchmark you against everyone that, that we're currently shopping on our service so you can see where you sit there. We also give you unique segmentation. So depending on when you sit, so we've broken those down into, into pretty fine-grained little buckets now. So it could be trend fashion or footwear, it could be outdoor. And then we also give brands the opportunity to to pick from a, a select bucket of competitors that they would like us to to look at as well. So if we're not shopping them, we'll shop them. And then you can then say, okay, here's where I sit in comparison to the the five brands that I see as my biggest competitors. And that that's something that's come to us from feedback from customers, something they've really wanted. And that type of thing is adding a huge amount of value because at the moment, businesses don't get visibility on on where they sit. You know, people people will, will sometimes say, oh, we mystery shop our own site, you know, and it's like, okay, that's useful, but how close are you to your own website? You know, you live and breathe this thing. So you're going to navigate it in your own way, whereas customers who are fresh and, and don't shop it every day will come at it at a completely different lens. So. Yeah, it's not the same when you mystery shop your own site. I always say you've kind of got, when you're going into an e-commerce business, you've got two weeks to get honest feedback and fresh eyes on a site and the the improvements before you just become desensitized to it because you're in there every day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, 
just on the score, I was just going to say, so we, we give them an overall score, but then we also break it down into those eight dimensions I, I mentioned earlier. So you not only get benchmarking at the, at the overall level, but you get benchmarking at the individual level. So you can say, for example, okay, I'm, as an you know, example I used before, I'm doing really well in my shipping, but not doing so well in my returns and refunds. So, And you mentioned that you constantly see trends in what you're finding. The Australian e-commerce market at the moment, where would you say of those eight dimensions, most of the improvement needs to go right now? There's some obvious ones. I mean, we started shopping online in September last year. So we shopped through that really hard period across December, January, and, you know, where things were, were really whack. I know things are still not great at the moment, but, but, you know, shipping warehouses were all sort of backed up. And, you know, I think it was around the time there was a, a big ship got stuck in a canal somewhere in Egypt. far away. <laughs> so there was, there was trouble all over the planet. And, um, the trends were just clear. Everybody's, everybody's delivery times were just thrown right out. So that was a really interesting one to watch. We've seen it come steadily down. You know, we've got data that shows the decline of that and it's kind of plateaued back out again now, which is really interesting. Look, some of the really obvious areas I mentioned before, returns and refunds is one that's super polarizing. One that's kind of light and day between what's good and what's bad. And this just kind of speaks to the whole how, I suppose, progressive and how much innovation is happening in e-commerce at the moment, how hard it is for businesses to keep up because we see a couple of years ago, some businesses will get refunds back to a customer in a couple of days. Some businesses will refund the money before you even send it back. And then you've got, you know, sure everyone would have seen the guys from refunded that enter the market and suddenly start offering refunds instantaneously. So the bar, you know, that benchmark that was there previously of a couple of days, which was pretty good for customers. They used to think that's great. I get my refund back in a couple of days. Suddenly that, that benchmark's just gone up. So it just kind of exposes everybody else who wasn't already at that benchmark is now considered, you know, dinosaurs in, in that space. You know, some businesses will refund at the end of the month with a monthly bank, you know, batch banking fee that happens at the end of the month. And, and that's just not meeting expectations anymore. So returns and refunds is a really big one. On-site supports, another big one that we see is really polarizing between what's, what's good and bad. So it's kind of almost a, a ticket to play to have live chat on site, but you'd be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised. A lot of people might be surprised that some businesses don't even have a live chat or, or if they have it, operates at funny hours or, you know, they try to get by just on bots. And again, the bar, there's so much competition in, in the live chat space now. You know, customer expectations are that they'll have a, a usable live chat that's going to give them responses, but also give them responses when they want to shop and, you know, people like to shop outside business hours. They'd like sometimes do it in the morning. Sometimes they do it at night. So if there's brands out there that are doing 24-7 support and are responding with real people and giving strong answers, then that's the benchmark you're being measured against. I could imagine that there's this temptation for some of your clients to want to hit a tick on all 150 metrics. But at the same time, my gut instinct would be that if you hit all 150, it's probably a good way to go out of business pretty quick because you're investing in all areas of the e-commerce experience. How do you weigh that up to go, look, we can't be at the excellent level at absolutely everything. Otherwise, we'll run a really inefficient operation. How do you know where to put your efforts and where to hold back and maybe not meet those benchmarks in some areas? There's a couple of ways that I'll answer that. I think the first is obviously the way we look at the score initially is to come at it from which parts of the process have the biggest impact on customer experience. So in look, the whole thing is around 
coming at this from the perspective of customer lifetime value, not just conversions, you know, how, how do you hang on to your customers and make them loyal and, and sticky is the important thing. But also what's important will differ for each business as well. So the scoring and the approach stays the same, but some businesses might say, hey, you know what, I don't care so much about our shipping being slow. If, if you're a sustainability business, you know, slow shipping is a big thing. A lot of their customers might say, I'm happy to wait for products to come to us. So it might be something that, you know, even where we give them the data that says, you know, you're taking a while to get your products there, they may not care about that. So what's important will definitely differ depending on on the business and, and what they care about. So Absolutely. And I think that's really important to have in mind is like, you can have an audit. It doesn't mean you've got to hit everything, but you've got to know what's important to you. Exactly. And, it, and it's about staying on top of it as well. You know, you're never going to get to perfection because by the time you've moved the needle on something, the benchmark will have changed on something else. It's impossible for everyone to be, to be perfect at everything. I can imagine that this set of data that you bring, and, and I love how you mentioned boards and decision-making groups, would be pretty fresh and pretty new for a lot of those people because they're not in the trenches on e-commerce or even shopping e-commerce every day. Have you had any experiences or, of retailers who have had who have made drastic changes to their business based on what you've presented to those decision groups? Yeah. So, as I said, we started working with, you know, in March, there's been a lot of a lot of what we find is is a mix of you know low hanging fruit things that you can change kind of fairly quickly and turn around. Other stuff is very systemic. You know, it can take like if you've got a slow dispatch process, you could have some real challenges going on. You could have a shared warehouse. Maybe you've got an outsourced warehouse where it just takes a long time for things to happen. And, and going and changing a, a warehouse provider is not an overnight fix. Look, we've got low hanging fruit. I call it low hanging fruit quick fix type stuff you know there's a ton of good examples of that that we found i'll give you a couple so we had one of our our customers the u.s brand launched an australian website you know launch the website off you go push out all the marketing and then we we started shopping shopping them on launch and and noticed that about 50 percent of our shoppers were landing on their u.s website getting all the way to check out with the products and then going to pay and getting a pop-up saying you know we don't ship to to australia so we were able to give them that information. Obviously, they could go back to HQ and and make the changes to fix that. But you can imagine the number of people that would have would have landed there outside of what we're doing. A few other ones, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we we interact with the search on site search, and we're pretty go pretty deep into to how that works because we know about the challenges business face around cataloging products and you know if someone misspells something or how do you give them personalized search results? There's, it's a whole crazy world there, but. We had one example, one of our customers selling Levi jeans, Levi's, L-E-V-I apostrophe S, or is it L-E-V-I-S, you know, depending on how you type it. But what we found that if you just went in there and typed it without apostrophe, it wasn't showing up in search results. And and that had been sitting there on the site for a few months. They reckon over three months and, and cost them like upwards of, of, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business because Levi's is one of their big sellers. So there's a lot of stuff that comes up that is... um You'd think it's very simple and trivial, but until you have someone actually looking at it, and that's something that a customer is probably not going to tell you about. I didn't find Levi jeans. They're probably just like, these guys don't sell Levi jeans. Yeah, there's there's a thousand stores you can go online and buy Levi jeans. So, Yeah, that's a really cool example. And I can imagine that this is beneficial not only as a regular checkpoint to mark performance over time. Do you also get people using you as part of their testing plans when they're launching new websites and new experiences? Yeah, so that's again something that's come out of this that that we probably didn't foresee, you know, being as 
as much of a thing, but shopping and kind of A-B testing big changes is something that's coming up a lot. So, you know, if you're going through a replatform, one of the things I, I always think is really important is, you know, you're in a business and you, you think you know what's important and what's the priority for you. But a better way to go about it is rather than go in your own gut feel or your internal team and actually ask others what they think about your business and what's most important to customers. So, you know, using this service as a way to, to not only test the experience before a rollout and then see what it's like after and, you know, did you get an uptick here? Did you do something that was positive? But also as a way to to validate and prioritize what you're doing as well um, has been a really useful thing. So there's a thousand things that you could be working on in a business. What actually sticks out to customers? What's causing them the most pain? And why not, why not put that at the front of the queue in terms of your backlog of things that you want to work on? So that's been really useful. And again, something that we, we didn't foresee would be as big, but you know, every business is going through some sort of replatforming or some sort of e-commerce transformation. And it's just a really useful way for people to have a starting point. You know, you got this data now. Okay. Here's where we're going to start the focus. Here's where we are. Here's where we need to go forward. And, and here's where we're going to spend our, our money essentially. You've refreshed your website. The new range is about to drop. You've never had more customer service options. Hey, but take a look over there at that boring pile of packaging boxes. Ugh, ugly. Time to give that some love. Luckily, Packlio is here to bring some joy to your customer's delivery and unboxing experience. It's been ignored for way too long. With vibrant colors, cool designs, and eco-friendly credentials, there are no more excuses for boring boxes. Even better, Packlio is Australian-owned and operated with same-day dispatch and 14-day returns. There's nothing boring about that. Check out the Packlio range of e-commerce packaging options at packlio.com. That's Packlio, P-A-C-K. L-E-O, Paclio.com. Is the HUMI score usually a replacement for another score, like an MPS, or is it usually in addition to what retail is already using? One of the big reasons for this business, you know, looking out is you know, kind of coming into to the retail space and looking what's out there on the market at the moment. Obviously, NPS, everyone knows, and and has used NPS at some point in their in their lives to to measure customer experience. We're really coming at it as, as essentially an alternative to the NPS. Uh, I think if you talk to anyone in in e-commerce about NPS scores, anyone who's actually picked it up and looked at it or use it in anger, they'll tell you that straight to the point, it's a it's a waste of time, to be honest. We know that NPS scores are generally responded to by emotional customers. So people are really happy or really, really sad. When the NPS score is calculated, they actually rip the middle of the score out to begin with anyway, so you don't get the, the neutral feedback. But, but also, NPS respondees are still your customer. You know, you're still asking people who are shopping your store, so they're naturally biased. They're shopping your store anyway. Wouldn't you rather get perspectives from people who aren't shopping your store, your store and understand what they might want that might hook them into your store? It's a much, it's a much better way to come at it. So... And also, it's a single question, you know, everybody knows the process probably, but, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, would you recommend our, our product or our service to a friend or colleague? It, that question lasts at different points in the journey. It's a single question. So, what we see a lot is people will have this, you know, NPS score. It could be good. It could be bad. It's 50. It's 10. You know, maybe it's negative. But what do you do once you've got that? So, I've got an NPS score of 25. Okay, what does that actually tell me? doesn't tell you a lot. 
you know, where do you go after that? So because it's so high level, it's this number that kind of doesn't have a great deal of detail to it. It's hard to know what your next steps are with MPS. So with a HUMI score, if you've got a, a really a really good score or a really bad score in a certain area, you know what to go and do next. I'm underperforming in this particular area. Let's go focus on that. Let's go and fix it. So we're really sort of trying to offer a, a more viable, more useful alternative to the NPS. I reckon you need HUMI shirts that say, don't use NPS in anger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sing a song to it. That's right. He's a bit of oasis. I like it. Is there a challenge for you then from a scale perspective? Because MPS is great from a scale. Everyone can blast a survey to all customers, can set up at regular intervals. Great. We talk to all customers, whether they respond and to your point, get a fair representation of all customers at all stages. But is there a challenge for you in that you've got a group of in-person shoppers uh, located up and down the East Coast. And now that you've done 2,000 shops, I can imagine that some of your shoppers are pretty sophisticated now and might not represent the average shopper who logs on and shops kind of, you know, three or four times a month. Is that a challenge for you? Yeah, it's a good question. And look, it's something that we talk about a lot internally around the how sophisticated do our shoppers get. And where we've landed is we want a real balance, you know, a real mix of, you know, the average shopper and I guess a professional shopper. So we've got some people in the team that have done 150 plus shops. You'd call them a professional shopper because they're buying sort of 10 items a week online. They've seen all these different businesses. So and there's a lot of value in that because they can, their perspectives and the comments and, and feedback that they're providing is really nuanced because they're going to be you know, the bar for them is going to be higher than most people because they've seen the great experiences, they've seen the really bad experiences. So there's some challenges there, but we want that network of shoppers to be as reflective of the Australian market as well. So, you know, it's it's a lot of people that are doing it as a, as a second job, a sort of viable job that you can do remotely, shop online anytime you like. We've got people that, that just say we absolutely love this. We thought when initially that we might have a bit more of a challenge finding analysts essentially shoppers do this job but it's we haven't advertised you know we've got almost 50 we've got a wait list of about another 50 at the moment it's just people somehow find the job application on our on our website (laughs) and submit it even though we haven't pushed it out anywhere so i think it scratches an itch for a lot of people as well shopping online and even though even though it's not their own money that they're spending when they buy stuff so it's been an interesting process if we've got e-commerce managers out there wondering if they've been mystery shopped is there a way to tell uh, no, absolutely not. Um, maybe six months ago, but um, we do a lot of we go to a lot of lengths to make sure that we're not easily discoverable. So you know, anonymity, making sure people can't game the system is really important to us. So, and even if someone you know did cotton on to it being us, they wouldn't find us again. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be my fear working in retail when I was uh, going through university and school. Of you know that threat of the, this could be the mystery shop. It used to be a real, real hang over your head moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I look. I, I worked in a supermarket for a for a long time when I was in high school and uni, and I remember the same thing. You know, they tell you the mystery shop is coming sometime this week, so everyone would just panic for a week. You know, it'd be a week of just living in fear, thinking you're going to lose your job. But now you could be anywhere, shopping at any time. Oh, it's worse now. It's worse now. All right. I've got, I got the, the hardest question left for you for last. What retailers do you think are delivering the best online customer experience today? That's a really good question. We actually keep track of this internally and obviously share this with the team internally. So the why is because we're shopping them using our process and they have Humi scores. So that's, 
that's how I think they're giving the best customer experience. Look, sitting on top of our list at the moment is Homebody, ah. Sephora, and the Iconic. Okay. So out of a good few hundred Aussie retail businesses that we're shopping that have stores here, that's the three that are sitting at the top. So, uh, you know, obviously everyone knows the Iconic, a lot of their focus is getting stuff done really fast and that's a priority for people getting their goods really fast and getting returns done really fast. Their customer service is, is awesome. Their segmentation is great. So, you know, they've kind of been the benchmark for, for a long time. So no surprises seeing them there for sure. Tell me about Homebody. I don't know a lot about that. Women's fashion business. I think they've just got a really sort of slick site and experience. Whatever they've done, they've just nailed it. It's It's interesting to see who shows up near the top of the list that you wouldn't expect by the time we've had you know, sort of 10, 15, 20 people go through the, the shopping experience for a brand and you get enough data there. It's funny who you see sort of sort of popping up. And I suppose that's the game at the moment. There's so many options and and opportunities for businesses to go and do something unique and individual and disrupt what's there. Uh, you never know who's going to offer the best services. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's interesting to see them there as well. I was surprised as well. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love when you can come out and share that data. That's fantastic. I reckon there's a good white paper in that for you somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 We've talked about, there's plenty more to come on that for sure. No, that's brilliant. Andy, I love the model. I, I think it's really smart because there's a few things there. It's that there are very few benchmarks in e-commerce, true benchmarks. I think everyone's scrambling to know what good is. So if you can help people with that, that's fantastic. But also, there's that struggle between information that's understood by the e-commerce team and e-commerce managers, which is often very specific and technical and that which can be translated into a board level. And I think, you know, the way you described that was really nice to be able to take that low-hanging fruit action, but also make big strategic decisions. So I think that's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What's next for yourself and Hume? Yeah, look, we, um, as I said, it's, it's, we're still very early days for us. So we're actually going through a, a capital raise at the moment for us, which is going to essentially help us build out uh, a lot more features into the product and then continue to, to push forward with a whole bunch of, um, new features for our customers. Also help us with scaling. Um, we've got plans to push out into the US early next year. So. Yeah, really sort of fun and interesting times for us. A lot of focus on trying to grow that network of mystery shoppers and make sure we get a lot of diversity in, in there as well. But um, yeah, look, we're, we're out there growing relationships with new partners all the time. So, you know, looking to talk to, to as many people in the business as possible and, and, and just kind of learn and, and get feedback and sort of iterate and improve. It's a, it's a really fun time. You know, we're obviously a small startup at the moment, but it's, um, you know, all the feedback from the industry has been really strong. And I think people genuinely get the need for this. And I, I posted something out on LinkedIn at the end of online retail last week, you know, and I know I mentioned before around the fact I've said mystery shopper, you know, a thousand times in a couple of days. But when you say that to people, the natural reaction is, you know, why doesn't that exist? Are you sure that doesn't exist already? And so people sort of naturally understand that there's a need, which is a really exciting thing for us to get such positive feedback. So, you know, we, I think everyone in our team's brains are just bursting with ideas and things we, we'd like to do next. So, yeah, we're keen to talk to as many people as possible. What an exciting time. Now, who do you want to talk with, especially? This is your chance for a plug. And how can they get in touch? Anyone, honestly, in retail business at the moment that wants to move the needle forward on their experience. I mean, we, we're working with quite a few smaller brands as well. So, I mean, it was designed to be 
pretty accessible. We've got a couple of different options to work with businesses on different price points that work for them and models that that work. We're also offering once-off health checks if a subscription something that that you're not keen to jump into. So you can get a sort of a health check on how your business is going at a given point in time. So yeah, at the moment, retail businesses that want to improve and essentially anyone who's customer obsessed and wants to know more and get that feedback and use it. If you want to get in touch with us, look, send us an email, hello at Humi, ping me on LinkedIn. I'm happy with either way. I'm always up for a chat or a coffee or, or whatever it might be. That's brilliant. And that's Humi, H-U-M-I-I. Andy, thank you so much for sharing the story. I've got a feeling we are only at the start of it. I can't wait to see where you go and can't wait to see that white paper when it's released. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, And look, honestly, thanks a lot for having us today. I really appreciate the chat. No, it's great. Cheers, Andy. It's one of those offerings that once you hear about it, you wonder why isn't anyone else doing this? But I think what Andy and the team are doing can add a huge amount of value with relatively little effort or investment on the part of a retailer. And I think that sets them up pretty well for success. Here are the biggest takeaways that I took from my chat with Andy. Number one, you can't effectively mystery shop your own site. And I've stood by this for a long time. If you're an e-commerce retailer, you will know your site like the back of your hand. Great in some ways, But when you're trying to put yourself in the shoes of a brand new customer looking to buy something, not so much. You've probably got about two weeks as a new team member before you start getting conditioned to what's on the site. Give the site to your finance team, your grandma or the Humi team. They will find things that you will never find because you're too close to it. Number two, shop the whole experience. In a world where UX is studied down to the most minute pixel I mean, pixels are all the same size, but you know what I mean. The end-to-end customer journey is often ignored because it's not always visible. Sending payments, getting deliveries to the door, looking at packaging, processing returns. These are all crucial parts of the customer journey that aren't tested enough in my opinion, but are crucial for a great customer experience. Number three, prioritize your pain points. There are a thousand things that you could be working on to improve your e-commerce business. But starting with the things that cause your customers the most grief makes the most sense, and you've got to hear it from your customers. In my experience, working out what is high impact to your customers against what is the lowest effort or lowest cost is a great place to start. Map it out. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency, connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to eSuiteTalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep those customers adding to cart.